Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. The Suzuki method has occasionally been criticized as a system of learning that fails to nurture creativity. Yet, when I was a Suzuki kid, I actually remember being asked to engage in a fair amount of creative activity, like free improvisation. I don't know if this was part of Dr. Suzuki's original philosophy, or if I just had liberal Suzuki teachers or a forward-thinking mom, but almost on a daily basis, I'd have to pick up the violin and create something from scratch. It was as much a part of my practice routine as scales. And it actually came in handy on at least a few occasions when I experienced a memory slip and frantically improvised my butt off until I could find my way back to something familiar. But aside from handling memory slips more gracefully in performance, what is the practical use of improvisation skills and training in classical music? It's not like we're going to start freely improvising in the middle of a Beethoven sonata, so is developing our improvisational skills really worth the time and effort? Researchers Charles Lim and Alan Braun were curious to learn more about what is happening in the brain when engaged in a highly creative activity like improvisation. So they took six jazz pianists, stuck them in an fMRI scanner, which measures changes in blood flow to different parts of the brain, and had them alternately play passages from memory and improvise to see if there was a difference in neural activity. In one scenario, they had the pianists play a one-octave C major scale up and down in quarter notes. This was a control condition. Then they had the pianists improvise on the scale, though restricted them to only those notes in the one-octave C major scale and quarter note values here as well. This was the improv condition. Of course, improvising on a one-octave scale and quarter notes is not the most sophisticated improvisatory activity, so they also tested the pianists in a more musically complex scenario. In the more advanced scenario, they asked the pianist to play a melody from memory to the accompaniment of a jazz quartet in the background. This was a control condition, and here's an example of what this sounded like. Then, the pianists were asked to freely improvise their own melody with the same jazz quartet recording playing in the background. This was the improv condition, and sounded a little bit like this.
So what did they find? Well, for one, there was a distinctive pattern of both activations and deactivations in certain parts of the brain that occurred during improvisation and playing from memory. What's cool is that these patterns were essentially the reciprocal of one another, meaning the areas of the brain that were activated during improvisation were deactivated during the play from memory condition and vice versa. Specifically, a region of the top front part of the brain, which is thought to be involved in problem-solving and conscious monitoring of a performance, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, quiets down during improvisation. Meanwhile, a central region in the very frontmost part of the brain, the medial prefrontal cortex, which seems to play a key role in self-expression and making up a story or describing a memory, became more active. And what does this all mean? Taken together, it seems that deactivating the self-monitoring, evaluating part of our brain frees us up to be more creative and allows us to spontaneously produce unplanned, novel music ideas and gestures, which might otherwise be inhibited. Indeed, there is some additional research which takes this a step further and suggests that musicians who are trained in improvisation might be more capable of unleashing their creativity in general, as compared to musicians who have less experience with improvisation, or non-musicians for that matter. In addition, we know from research on athletes that self-monitoring a well-learned motor skill that usually operates on muscle memory often results in choking under pressure, which combined with the jazz study findings makes me wonder if having the ability to switch off our brain's self-monitor may be integral to performing more freely and accurately in classical music performance contexts as well. Another interesting takeaway is that this pattern of activation and deactivation in the brain was true for both the simple improvisation task and the more complex task. So perhaps we don't have to freak out and be intimidated by the word improvisation. It sounds like even practicing improvisation on a very simple, basic level, like playing scales with ornamentations or adding lots of expressive details or musical inflection to your arpeggios, even something like that may have lots of value and that the key thing is simply to get started. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. And if you'd like to explore this sort of thing in more depth, whether it be to get more out of your daily practice or to get better at managing performance pressure and shrinking that gap between what you can do in the practice room and what comes out on stage, You can learn more about the live and self-paced courses that are available at bulletproofmusician.com slash courses.